An appellate court rules that Bloomington violated the Open Meetings Act in 2017. Central Illinois kicks off graduation season. More on these stories, I'm Sierra Henry. I'm Kelsey Watsonauer. And this is Lee Enterprises Long Story Short. Good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of Long Story Short, where we recap Central Illinois news from Lee Enterprises journalists. Happy May, everyone. I'm so excited to be going into May. A new month, new me, fresh sunlight. I feel like a plant trying to soak up this uh, sunlight like photosynthesis. It's going to be so great. I'm already enjoying the warmer weather because I've been um, walking out as much as I can um, after work just to soak up that good, good sunlight. Um, But thanks so much for returning to this week's podcast. Kelsey's going to kick us off with some state government news today, so take it away. Alrighty, let's uh, kick things off with some news that really everyone saw coming. The U.S. Census Bureau announced Monday that Illinois' declining population has cost the state a congressional seat. As State House reporter Brendan Moore wrote, this affirms previous census estimates as well as all those anecdotes we've heard from family, friends, and neighbors in recent years about getting out of this state. But it wasn't as bad as expected. Illinois was one of three states with a population drop and lost just over 18,000 people since 2010, resulting in one seat lost instead of the worst-case scenario of two. The redistricting committee is working on new district maps expected to be completed this fall, and this time they'll draw 17 districts instead of 18. Congressman Darren LaHood and Rodney Davis from the 18th and 13th districts, respectively, said Democratic state leadership and high taxes were to blame for the population loss. Patrick Cortese, party chairman for the McLean County Democrats, predicted the 18th district will be the casualty, leaving the 17th and 13th to expand farther into central Illinois. But it's still early, and we don't know exactly what the maps are going to look like or how our representation will fall by this time next year. So we had several stories about this lost seat and redistricting on all three of our websites, with reporting out of the State House as well as local reactions. So you can find those at panagraph.com, herald-review.com, and jg-tc.com. Now let's move into some more local government news. Happy Arbor Day, everyone! This week, Bloomington Normal celebrated everyone's favorite tree-planting holiday with a few educational events. By the way, both cities were designated as Tree Cities USA, a designation awarded to municipalities who have upstanding departments dedicated to planting and caring for their urban canopies. Uh, we have more on that at Panagraph.com in a few briefs written by Panagraph staff. In Bloomington, a maple tree was dedicated at the David Davis Mansion in memory of conservation leader of the National Society of the Daughters of the American Revolution, Helen Killian. Uh, Panagraph reporter Lenore Sabota covered the event and managed to snag some really nice photos of this young maple tree. She wrote this week that State Representative Dan Brady, um, Bloomington Mayor-elect Maboka Milwamble, and Normal Councilwoman Karen Smith read proclamations in recognition of the event, noting the importance of trees as a source of joy and spiritual renewal, while also being a renewable resource for both building and heating in our homes. To read the full story and to check out Lenora's photos, head on over to panagraph.com. This week, the 4th District Appellate Court in Springfield ruled that the Bloomington City Council violated the Open Meetings Act in 2017 when the council held a closed-door discussion to end the Metro Zone Agreement with Normal. Panagraph reporter Tim Egger wrote on Friday, The ruling was upholding a previous binding opinion from the Illinois Attorney General's office, which reversed a lower court ruling. The three-member appellate court found that the City Council did not comply with the act when it convened February 20, 2017 for one hour and 21 minutes in a closed session over, quote, probable litigation 
communication because absent from the closed session was any discussion of legal theories, defenses, claims, or possible approaches to litigation. Now this is a pretty complex story, so we're not going to get too deep in the weeds on this one, but Tim explains it all in his scoop at the Panagraph, so if you want to read more about what happened with this decision, what exactly the MetroZone agreement is, and the fallout surrounding it, head on over to Panagraph.com to read the full story. Now we're going to move into some health news. What, what went on this week, Sierra? COVID-19 vaccination clinics in McLean County will no longer require appointments, officials announced this week. This change came a day after Governor J.B. Pritzker said that Illinois is approaching a point where the vaccine supply is exceeding demand, but according to the McLean County Health Department, demand is still higher than supply here. The Health Department is still encouraging people to register ahead of time for a faster experience and a dose saver waiting list has been publicized to prevent unclaimed doses of the COVID-19 vaccine from going to waste. For more information about vaccine clinics in the area and how to get your shot as soon as you can, be sure to find Lindsay Jones's report at panagraph.com. The Bloomington Normal Branch of the NAACP joined the state's new Pandemic Health Navigator Program, aiming to combine the efforts of community groups and public health departments to give aid to areas most affected by the coronavirus pandemic. The NAACP is just one of several groups across Region 2 that have been awarded funding from the Illinois Department of Public Health. These groups will be a point of contact for the McLean County Health Department for finding resources or supporting contact tracing efforts. Chestnut Health Systems will also be participating in the program, taking on cases referred by the health department. And both Chestnut and the NAACP plans to hire people to work as their navigators. To learn more about the program and how these groups are looking to help the local community, be sure to find Lindsay Jones' story over at Panagraph.com. Now we had some very exciting education news this week, so Sierra, why don't you dive right in. Maryland Community College got a visit from Governor J.B. Pritzker this week as he announced plans to create a $7.5 million electric vehicle workforce development program at the school. The grant from the state will go toward the development of an electric vehicle energy storage manufacturing training academy, which Heartland is calling EVS, or EVES. This announcement comes as Rivian is ramping up to begin production in Normal, expecting to have 1,800 workers at the plant by June. Uh, the workforce development program is expected to bring on a dozen students in the first wave this fall, and Harlem President Keith Corneli said that this project will transform Central Illinois into a hub of innovation, with long-term plans to develop advanced manufacturing training in the future. Lenore Sabota and David Piper have the full story of Pritzker's visit at Panagraph.com, where you can find reaction from local leaders and several videos with the governor, so be sure to check those out. I am very, I was supposed to cover this event also, but I was sick on Tuesday, so I'm extremely sad. But I'm so excited to see what this does for the Bloomington Normal area. It's so exciting uh, for Heartland to be able to get this grant and to be partnering with Rivian this way. In this way, I know we've talked about it so much, but like Rivian is a huge boon to this community. So we're only going to go up from here, and I'm so excited to see where this goes. Now, after one of the most hectic years for students, it is finally graduation season, and wow, our local schools are really stepping up to the plate to make this one special. Lenore and I had a big wrap-up of high school ceremonies in Sunday's paper, and it was so fun hearing from principals and students as they try to navigate COVID mitigations to celebrate this big milestone. Sounds like a lot of spaced-out football field ceremonies and just a few indoor ones will be happening at the high schools in just a few weeks. Commencements start a little earlier for college grads, though, beginning with individual stage walks at Redbird Arena going over a span of 11 days at Illinois State University. And tomorrow, Illinois Wesleyan will kick off the in-person ceremonies with one at 10.30 a.m. and the other at 3 p.m. in Tucci Stadium. 
Wesleyan will actually have an extra commencement at 6.30 just for the class of 2020 since they didn't have an in-person option last year. Lenore has a rundown of the graduation plans for all of our local colleges and universities, so be sure to check out that story and find all of our graduation coverage at panagraph.com. Now on to sports. The archery team at St. John Lutheran School is in the midst of the NASP National Tournament. That's the National Archery in Schools Program National Tournament. The program, which began as a gym class lesson for the Mattoon Middle Schoolers, brought the team to second place in the state finals, qualifying them for nationals. This year, the tournament has gone virtual, so all scores must be shot between April 18th and May 8th. So that leaves just one week before the archery season ends for St. John Eagles. Journal Gazette and Times Courier reporter Rob Stroud has a closer look at the team that's grown from five players to 35 in just a few years. You can find that story. Wow, that's a lot of kids. Um, You can find that story uh, with loads of photos and video of the team in action over at jg-tc.com. We had a few women athletes this week across central Illinois recognized by the Women's Basketball Coaches Association. Illinois Wesleyan senior Kendall Sosa was selected as the Division III Player of the Year. This normal community graduate was also part of the WBCA's All-America First Team and was most outstanding player for the College Conference of Illinois and Wisconsin. Millican University's head basketball coach Olivia Lett was named a U.S. Marine Corps and WBCA Division III National Coach of the Year finalist after leading the women's team to an 11-3 record and winning the College of Conference and winning the College Conference of Illinois and Wisconsin's Women's Basketball Tournament Championship. Also from Millican, freshman guard Elsie Knudsen was selected as the Division III Coaches All-America Honorable Man- Mention. Earlier this year, she was named the D3Hoops.com Central Region Rookie of the Year and Newcomer of the Year for her conference, among other honors, so it sounds like this freshman is off to a hell of a start. Randy Reinhardt has a feature on Sosa on Panagraph.com, and Matt Flatten has a story on Lett and Knudsen at Herald-Review.com, so be sure to check those out and read all about the impressive seasons these women had this year. Okay, now let's move into some public safety and courts news. A soul of a man was sentenced to eight years in prison Monday after pleading guilty to setting a garage on fire. 26-year-old Charles Willis Jr. was charged with arson after a fire on October 20th, 2019. Prosecutors said video evidence indicates he used a lighter to ignite a mattress that was leaning against the garage. Flames engulfed the mattress and then the garage, which was ultimately destroyed. The felony charge could have brought a sentence of up to 14 years in the Illinois Department of Corrections. Herald and Review editor Scott Perry has the full story over at herald-review.com and jg-tc.com. Bloomington police are investigating a shooting that injured one person last weekend. Officers were called to the 1300 block of North Hershey Road around 2 p.m. on Sunday where they found a man who had been struck in the head by a projectile, but it is unknown whether it was a bullet or something else. The shooting is still under investigation, so if you want to read more or follow this story, you can find Kate Heather's report at panagraph.com. A Decatur woman was arrested nearly a month after police say she ran her husband over with her car. A sworn affidavit from Decatur police says the couple had been fighting on the afternoon of March 27th and the husband stood in front of the car trying to persuade her not to drive off and leave him there. When he looked away, the wife apparently hit the gas pedal and he told police the vehicle plowed into him at about 20 miles per hour. He had some bleeding and cuts and abrasions after she drove off. 
The woman was booked last week on preliminary charges of aggravated battery with a deadly weapon and domestic battery, and she was released on bond Monday. Macon County Courts reporter Tony Reed has the full details on this case at herald-review.com. Now we're going to get back to some of our good, good community news, and I'm going to tell you guys about a up-and-coming online business called Market Wagon. Um, Market Wagon is an on- is basically an online farmers market that is connecting local area farmers in central Illinois with customers by delivering fresh produce, baked goods, and other artisanal products right to their front door. Um, Market Wagon was founded in Indianapolis, Indiana by Nick Carter, the CEO. They originally started with six markets, and then last year in June, they opened the Central Illinois market with their regional hub being in Bloomington. And since then, the company has grown like five times its original size. Um, That first week in in June when Market Wagon served, uh, started serving in Bloomington, they delivered 55 totes um and now they have grown to be they have grown to deliver uh, around 500 totes per week uh that that comes out to around um 230 customers a week which is huge for them for being such a like up and coming business and I've talked with some of the farmers who have said that this has been kind of a lifesaver or just a huge um benefit to them, especially with COVID uh, taking out a lot of the farmers markets. Uh, As you know, like a lot of the farmers markets have closed and people haven't been and farmers haven't been able to sell produce um, in person. This has allowed them to fill those gaps and actually increase their customer base because they're reaching uh, people all over central Illinois, uh, across 11 Illinois counties and um, reaching people who might not be able to attend certain farmers markets. In other news, today marks um, the day, the first farmer's market in Bloomington, and we're very excited about that. I will be covering that today as well, so look out for my story in tomorrow's paper on the Bloomington farmer's market, but we're so excited to have uh, the farmer's market market return. I know personally I enjoy going to farmer's markets and festivals and all sorts of things like that where you can uh, browse vendors and buy uh, local, locally made products and food and, and that sort of thing. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, when I first started at the Panagraph, um, I, I always covered the farmer's markets. So, um, and our downtown Bloomington one is so good and they have so many different like there's so much variety and like handmade crap handmade goods as well as produce and it's so great to just talk to the vendors about things they really care about and like hear the passion for what they're doing what they're making what they're selling and like yeah just have good conversations with people in your community or a lot of them are are farmers so they're on the like maybe on the outskirts of the community because they where they live physically but they're very much a part of it and uh it's just a fun day. It's always just a fun time, and plenty of I'm sure plenty of people are going to show up even with the uh, mask requirements and everything, so it'll be good to have people on the square again. Oh my gosh, yes. From our window, we can see people gathering on the square, and it's like ugh, so bare, but I'm so excited to see people outside the window again um, celebrating, you know, the farmer's market, you know, gathering, chopping, that kind of thing. Um, I love talking with farmers and doing ag stories. I can't, I don't really know why, but I just find them, they're so fun, especially when I get to go out to the farm itself and like tour. Like over the summer, I did a story 
story on Raider Family Farms because they have done a lot to uh, change up their season. They had like a sunflower festival actually as well, which was the first of their kind. And that was a lot of fun to do because, I mean, I just like being out on the farm. I don't know. It's probably something to do with me growing up <laughs> in a rural area. But, I mean, Kelsey did too, so. But Kelsey doesn't want mud on her shoes, so. Uh, Kelsey doesn't want mud on her shoes. I personally don't care. I'm willing to go out into the middle of the cornfields and get sweaty and itchy and all of that just for, but I just think it's fun, especially because that's the great thing about being a journalist is because you don't really like you're not stuck inside an office all day and you can just go out and sometimes you're just out on a farm talking to a farmer and i think that's really dope so yeah. it's, it's cool you never know what, what what where this job is going to lead you where you're going to end up it's very cool plus farmers are just really down-to-earth people to talk to <laughs> they don't like as a government reporter i feel like there's a lot of just ugh, you know and it's nice to just talk with someone like a farmer or just like an artisanal craftsman or someone like that and just do like a really nice future story like that's why i was so excited about the market wagon story because it's just a really nice future story and i haven't really felt like i've done i've been able to do like a nice feature in a while that's like outside of the realm of like government and politics i just really like to be able to like sit down talk with people feature like an interesting thing happening um sorry and that's my tangent for today so kelsey do you have any other tangents to go off on i mean not really um connecting with people is such a, an important valued part of this job so yeah i definitely get what you come get where you're coming from i don't have a tangent though i'm good market wagon is cool because it's like as i said earlier it serves it's the central illinois hub um serves 11 counties and that's i mean that's really that's huge and even though it's like some people might be like oh 230 customers that's like not a lot 500 totes that's not a lot i feel like that's pretty huge they've only been here for a year and i just i think it's um i think it's a great idea i think it's something that's going to be growing it's in 14 states now um they grew they had like they started with six markets and now they have like close to 30 uh added 22 markets just in the last year um across those 14 states of course um so it's it's very it's very exciting and um i'm i'll be covering them closely I'm, i hope they stay in bloomington i hope they're regional i mean we're pretty centrally located in their map but i hope they stay in bloomington in other news um yahoo answers <laughs> is dead um r.i.p yahoo answers uh, i don't know if anyone else cares about this but i do I listened to a podcast called My Brother, My Brother, and Me, where they answer advice and questions off of Yahoo Answers. And I just, I do not vibe well with the way Yahoo has done this, where they have kill, basically killed the site to where people, well, they did it in a phase. So they started um, on 420, they um, killed the reply button so people could no longer respond to Yahoo Answers. And then I think they're shutting down May 4th. And they are shutting down for good on May 4th. Uh, which I, okay, they did this purposefully. Because <laughs> they, they have done, they did, they killed the reply button on 420. 
I don't feel like I need to explain that joke. <laughs> May 4th, may the force be with you, also known as Star Wars Day. They're aware of their meme ability. Yahoo, I mean, and they're not, what some archivists have said online is that they're not even allowing enough time for people to like scour the website and just like save all of the good, good questions that they have on there. Like for years. Years, Yahoo has been a, a treasure trove of questions and answers, and I don't think you can really like unless. I mean, older people might not get this. Growing up as like a kid in the digital era, Yahoo has been really formative to a lot of people's youth. Like, if you're like in middle school, you might remember like I don't know, just asking questions on Yahoo, like maybe questions that you might be afraid to ask, like your parents or something, or like a teacher. And some random person on the internet's gonna answer you. And it's 99% guaranteed that it will be an inaccurate answer. <laughs> but the questions are just buck wild. <laughs> so Kelsey, Kelsey is pulling some up right now. The one that really got me that immediately popped up was, how do I turn off caps lock? The entire question is written in caps lock. It's so good. There's a why do Americans say y'all instead of you all? I refuse to click on that. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna wait, read off some of the questions I've been like read on um, on <laughs> on my brother, my brother and me. Some of these came from Yahoo questions. I'm just these are just so great. Can birds get allergies? Is it okay to bring jelly beans on a plane? Who's asking these Why? questions? That's so specific. That is... Why? <laughs> I need love potion ingredients. Help, please? <laughs> Smoke coming from belly buttons? What does that mean? What does it mean? I think I have Pepsi stuck in my lungs. What should I do? Cough, I guess. <laughs> What is Justin Bieber's cell phone number? <laughs> oh, yikes. <laughs> uh, some of these are not safe for work. Um, <laughs> is Taylor Swift the Illuminati? I don't know. Is she? Let's click and find out. I'm sure <laughs> Yahoo has the answer. They have all the answers. How can I grow a Tom Selleck-like mustache? <laughs> My goldfish are very quiet. <laughs> <laughs> what are they supposed to be? <laughs> This was bad. Oh, gosh. <laughs> How come my dog sounds like it says lamp when it barks? <laughs> Who are asking these questions? This is the gold they're getting rid of. Why Why God. are they like this? Yahoo. And they're doing it because they're not making any money off this website. And it's just like, ah, Yahoo, why do you hate art? Objectively, this is art. You don't have to make money. You don't have to be you don't have to make money to have a good website i mean actually wait you know what let's pull up the yahoo website is it good i haven't been on the yahoo questions answers.yahoo.com answers i haven't been on the yahoo answers.yahoo.com website in years but i do like i see the you know i listen to the podcast and i see the answers uh, everywhere else but i feel like the the argument that like okay their defense that we can't make money off of this and therefore it shouldn't exist is nonsensical simply because they're clearly not doing much to keep the, there's not like what do they call it when you review things and make sure everything's okay no one's doing that 
What is that like, called? They're not like seeking advertisements or like trying to like make a revenue with it. It's not what I meant, but like yeah, that too. Can I sue YA? What does that even mean? I don't know. Huh? So that's going to do it for us today, folks. As always, <laughs> if you're enjoying this podcast and our reporting, check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. While you're at it, head on over to pantograph.com, herald-review.com, and jg-tc.com to look up subscription information and consider supporting hashtag local journalism. Suns out, guns out, baby! Rest in peace, Yahoo Answers. <laughs> we had a different vibe. <laughs>